Well, good morning and thank you to everybody who made this day happen. Uh, Robbie and Jackson uh, led this morning, kind of a student-led worship service and proud of you guys. This is Robbie's last day with us uh, before he heads off to college and I'm sure he'll be back sometime, I hope. I mean, that'd be an awful sign if he never came back. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but we, we praise God for him and for all those who have hearts of service to lead and to just labor uh, all throughout this church. And so thank you guys. Uh, great day of worship already this morning. And, and we thank God for being with us and um, kind of opening his storehouses uh, to us today. So if you'll take your um, Bibles and turn to the New Testament book of Ephesians. We have been studying through Ephesians for some time now. And I have been told by my wife it's time to wrap it up. Uh, and, get, and we're almost about to. <clears throat> um, but we've been studying this book. We're in chapter 6 today. As you know, this is a letter uh, written uh, shortly after the death resurrection and ascension of the Lord Jesus to the churches uh, who were just getting formed uh, in Ephesus and in other places near Ephesus um, who were uh, trying to get their sea legs so to speak they were trying to get established and get their footing and what it means to be a follower of Jesus and as we process through this entire letter we've come to the point where the apostle Paul uh, writing under inspiration, direction of the Holy Spirit, uh, has some final words for these people that he loves. And he warns them about um, the schemes of the devil. That it will be necessary to stand firm because uh, the devil, there is a very personal enemy, Satan, is out to destroy the lives of Christians. He wants to destroy your witness. He wants to wither away your joy. He wants, you, he wants to just dull your sense of worship and astonishment uh, at God. In any way possible, uh, this enemy wants to come against you uh, in your life. Not that he can take your salvation because one who is uh, authentically born again, no one can ever rob that away from you. But the devil would delight to come and to take away any sense of power and functionality in the kingdom work of God in the joy of the Lord. And so it gives them this warning, and we've looked at um, several articles called the armor of God that he's told us to put on. And today we come uh, to the final one. Uh, this is called the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's the only offensive weapon we've seen so far every other one is defensive but with this one we can strike out uh, into the darkness against the enemy and so let's look at this today the word of god is a powerful powerful weapon this uh, this bible here the 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 bible tells us is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword it has power and ability to cut into your life and to change you. Uh, it is no simple ink on page. The Word of God has power. One man uh, testified that he was speaking to someone who was lost about the Lord Jesus, taking him through Scripture, and the man ultimately was unconvinced to be a follower of Jesus, but as he left, he turned, he said, you know, one thing, 
that I can tell today is that whoever made my heart wrote this book. Whoever made my heart wrote this book. The author of your life uh, and everything that you are is the author of the Word of God. And so we're going to read about this today. Let's start in verse 10. If you don't have a Bible, these words will be on your screen. If you don't have a Bible in your life, we don't want anyone leaving here today without a good, reliable copy of God's Word just for you. And we have those on the table in the back. Don't be afraid to take one if you need that. There's no cost to you, just a gift from our heart to yours. And so pick that up if you need it. We mean it. Verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Are we defenseless against the devil? Is he just too big and just too bad and woe is me, nothing I can do. I just got to knuckle under and give in to that sin. I've just got to live this life of discouragement and defeat. I've just got to be useless in the kingdom because this is a fearsome enemy. Absolutely not. No, we can stand strong. The Bible says we are able, we may be able to stand strong against the schemes of the devil, but it will not happen in our own strength, will it? It only happens in the strength of the Lord and the strength of his might. It only happens with the whole armor of God. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle. Our fight is not against flesh and blood. What may seem to be just worldly and material is in fact many times not material. What happened to you today at work and the discouraging thought that came into your mind today and, and, and the place you find yourself struggling in sin, it may seem just like a normal part of this world. But in fact, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. All four of these mentioned here are demonic spiritual forces of different degrees and different levels that we wrestle against. Therefore, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God, take it up, that you may not, that you may be able to withstand the evil in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation we talked about last week and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If we have this sword, if Christians have access to this weapon with which we can strike out and charge into the darkness, how in the world do we wield it? What do we do with it? There are three essentials we need to know today, and the first is this. Number one, know what you have. Know the weapon that you have. The Word of God is an exceedingly powerful weapon. This instrument has all power for Christians to be able to fight this supernatural fight, to be able to defeat the fierce spiritual enemies who are more powerful than we are. We saw this in just a moment ago. Uh, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against these rulers and spiritual forces. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, there's a parallel to this verse. Listen to what it says. For though we walk in the flesh, that means we're just human beings. Though, though, we, though we're human, 
We are not waging war according to the flesh. We don't fight in the human realm. We fight in a bigger arena. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. And your Bible may say they're not carnal. They're not of the flesh. But have divine power to destroy strongholds. The word strongholds here means fortresses. It's, it's a military um, a, a fortification. And through Christ, we have the ability to destroy spiritual strongholds. What kind of power does this sword hold? Two things. The sword equips us to fight in an arena bigger than ourselves, right? So who played, anybody play football in here when you were young? Not, not now. Ralph does. Some of you guys, some of you teenagers might play football. Anybody over here? Did I see any? Okay, you got two, at least two football players. How would you feel, guys? Ralph Mills and others of your age range uh, and uh, and then teenagers over here of your age range, you're, you're football players, right? And so here you are, you're football players, you know the game, you've got the pads, you've got the outfit. How would you feel if one day, mysteriously, you were materialized in the, the Atlanta Falcons stadium in the middle of a championship game and you were there on the line? You're playing football, right? How would you you'd feel intimidated, wouldn't you? You wouldn't feel worthy. Ralph, you might feel worthy. I, I don't know. Uh, but there you would be in that arena. The space is too grand for you. The fight is too big for you. Listen here. Yeah, we are able by the word of God to fight in an arena where we don't belong. It is too big for us. We are merely what? Of the flesh. This is it, right? Yet somehow we are able to be dropped in to this mighty arena of the spirit realm, of spiritual warfare, and we are able there nonetheless to withstand the devil. We are nonetheless able to withstand in the evil day. Why is that? Because this flesh and blood has access to the sword of the spirit, to the word of God. The word of God enables us to fight in an arena bigger than ourselves, but it also prepares us to face an opponent that is stronger than us. Notice what this verse says still. We don't wage war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. Can you ever imagine yourself striking out against a spiritual fortification and having victory there? It seems too big, it seems too bad, but listen, the Bible testifies, and it is truth, that through the Word of God, we have access to that power. You are not helpless. I took the kids on a hike just a few weeks ago, kind of a backpacking trip. It was uh, an awful hike, as it turned out. I had done this hike many, many times before uh, as a younger person. And thought I was still a younger person. And uh, we, we trekked down into the Tennessee River Gorge. And I felt every moment of it. But as we were preparing, I thought, you know, what if, we, what if a bear comes, right? There are bears. Bear. There are bear uh, who come sometimes. And we would be out there in the woods by a creek. And I thought, what am I going to do? And uh, I thought, I'm going to take my, my gun, you know. It's a 9 millimeter. And so I looked it up and it said, do not take a nine millimeter against bear. You know, you'll just make the bear mad and you'll just die uh, from that. And so, <laughs> so I was just talking with someone here at the church one day and told them, hey, I'm going on this trip and um, concerned about the bear. And they said, well, we have a 44 Magnum. 
And I was like, okay, yeah, that, that would be better. And they said, would you like to borrow the 44 Magnum? And I wasn't sure if I really wanted to. It's a, it's a big gun, and I didn't want to take from somebody else. But they said, it's called the Alaskan. And I was like, yes, I do. I want to buy, <laughs> I want the Alaskan, right? It's, it, this thing's made for polar bear. Uh, and so we took it, and um, I had it on my hip. This thing was gigantic. I was walking sideways down the trail, just, just wearing it. And Olivia behind me said, Dad, where did you get that gun? I said, somebody at our church you know, gave it to us. It's a 44 Magnum. She said, our church is awesome. And uh, <laughs> she actually said, our church is W, which means like winning, right? Uh, our church is, it means awesome. Um, and it is awesome, not just because you have awesome guns. But uh, we took it. Because that enemy was bigger than me. Listen, it's bigger than me, and it's bigger than the weapons that I, I possess on my own. I needed help from outside. I needed something bigger. And the Bible tells us when we embark out into this world, there is a foe who has dastardly desires to come against us and to conquer us. We don't have the power in this flesh, but through the word of God, even though we are of the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh we have divine power to take down strongholds we have a powerful weapon with the sword of the spirit the word of god you don't have to be afraid to advance across spiritual terrain you don't have to be afraid to seek spiritual victories to take new territory you are not powerless to encounter the enemy wherever you find him or wherever he comes against you. I'm afraid so many times we just don't grow as Christians. We won't grow. We won't repent. We refuse to risk for God. We won't say yes when he calls us because we simply don't think we stand a chance against the odds and against the forces that are against us. Take up the sword of the Spirit and see how God issues Satan to defeat even on his own turf because you've trusted the power of God's word. Amen? It's a powerful weapon. Know what you have, first of all. How do we wield this weapon? It simply tells us to take it up. What do we do with it? Know what you have. Appreciate the power of this word. But secondly, stay close to your source. Stay close to your source. The sword here, this sword, has a source of power. And the source of power is the very spirit of God. Whose sword is it? It's the sword of the Spirit, and that is the Holy Spirit. This is a member of the triune Godhead, the Holy Spirit himself, the eternal God. It is he who activates the Word of God to be an effective instrument of God's power in our warfare. The, the Spirit of God works hand-in-hand hand with the Word of God to issue forth the power of God in the people of God. Otherwise, this is exactly that a piece of literature to our eyes. Yes, we can read it. Yes, we can comprehend it. But it takes the Holy Spirit to illuminate it spiritually, to engage your life with this word. We don't want to make a mistake and, and not realize that. I brought a, one of my favorite toys today. Somebody brought to me. It's a tiny flashlight with a lot of lumens. I love flashlights. And it's got a dim setting, but it's got a bright. Can you see it? Yeah. Let me just make, make sure everybody up there. Does it reach up there? Can you, you got it? 
I mean, there are brighter flashlights, but this is a tiny one, you know, and it's so bright. Um, but uh, without what's inside of it, it doesn't do anything. If I took this flashlight into the darkest place with no battery inside, and it's just a small battery, regular battery, if I took it into the darkest place, it would do nothing. The Word of God relies on the power of the Spirit of God to bring it life, and that's exactly what we're dealing with here. How do we access this power? Look at Galatians chapter 5 with me in verse 25. It simply says this, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. What that means is, if you have new life in Christ, if you are saved, as we've seen today, if you are brought to life by the Spirit, then you ought to walk where he walks. You ought to be near to him. You ought to keep in step with the Holy Spirit of God. That's where we get access to this power. And so what is it the Word of God, that, that the Holy Spirit rather does? There are a few things that he does with relation to the Word of God. Number one, he reveals the truth. John 16, 13 says this, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. You open up the Word of God, you're not sure where to go, you read it, how does it connect to, each, to itself? How does it connect to your life? The Holy Spirit will guide you. We had a lady in our church who's new here. Uh, she was here last week for a special event and made a wrong turn, set off the burglar alarm. The, the thing went crazy through the whole place. The police came, the SWAT team swung in on ropes and busted windows, and they didn't do that, but uh, the alarm was going crazy. A church is hard to figure Some A new church is hard to figure sometimes. You need a guide, and we need a guide in God's Word. He is named the Holy Spirit of God. He reveals the truth to us. What else does he do? He teaches and reminds us. John 14, 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You ever been in a uh, place where you're hurting and you need comfort? The Holy Spirit can spring up the remembrance of what Jesus has said. He, he will teach you all things. He reminds us of the word of Christ. There you are in a witnessing encounter. You don't know what to say. You don't have the strength in your flesh. And all of a sudden, boom, the word of God is alive in your mind. It's rolling off your tongue. Somebody needs help. Somebody needs comfort. Somebody needs a testimony. And you're doing it because the Holy Spirit has taught you and brought that to remembrance. He speaks about Jesus. But when the helper comes, John 15, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. He speaks about Jesus. It is he, for all three who went to these waters today, all of you in here who have trusted Christ, it was not merely the chemicals on this parchment that came into your life it was the holy spirit who testified to your heart who spoke into there and told you about this savior he speaks about jesus he reveals humanly unseen truths and i love this first corinthians chapter two now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from god that we might understand the things freely given us by God. The natural person, that is the unsaved, the unregenerate person, the person outside of Christ, the unspiritual person, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly or foolishness to him. He, whatever, I mean, they're foolishness uh, to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. 
It is the Holy Spirit who reveals humanly unseen truths. These human eyeballs may look at this page and humanly speaking, we may process it in some way, but it is only by the Holy Spirit that he communicates to us these, these spiritual truths. And lastly, he convicts sinners. John 16, 8, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And so how, in wanting to wield the word of God, how is it that we connect to all of these powers that the Holy Spirit does with regard to the word of God? How is it we don't pull our sword and it's just dead and dull? We stay close to the Holy Spirit. We had to be in Gainesville the other day at a furniture store. And uh, we were hungry by the time we left there. And uh, we said, where do we want, we want to eat? Olivia was with us and, ja and, and Erica and me. And uh, somebody said, well, should we really go out to eat? Because the boys aren't with us. They decided to stay home. I said, well, exactly. They decided to stay home, you know. <laughs> and we were right down from Red Lobster and we turned, we, I haven't eaten there in, a, in, in years, I haven't eaten the Red Lobster, but I used to always love it. We went to the Red Lobster, uh, just me and Olivia and Erica, and it was awesome. The biscuits were as delicious as ever, and you know those cheesy biscuits, right? Just kind of doughy in the center still, but hot. You just chew them down, they're, they're, I mean, incredible. We went to the Red Lobster, and I didn't feel a twinge of guilt about the boys. <laughs> they didn't go, right? If you want to go to the Red Lobster, you might have to go to the furniture store with Dad, right? I mean, if, if, you, if you want that benefit, you got to stay close. And if we want the benefit and the power that the Holy Spirit does here, that's the key. Are we staying close to the Holy Spirit? We've been made alive by the Spirit, but are we keeping in step with the Spirit? A need arises for comfort in your life, in someone else's life. You open your mouth, and there's nothing there. You're gasping for breath. You're a step behind. And every, you, you can't get it out. All of a sudden, inexplicably, you didn't even see it coming. Someone is there with teary eyes, and they're thirsty for the gospel, and they say, how do you do it? And you say, I, I, it's my chance to tell them about Jesus. And you open your mouth. The sword is dull because the Spirit of God you haven't stayed near to the Spirit of God. It's not that he's not working. It's not that he's not faithful. It's that you haven't stayed near to him. The power of the Word of God in our lives, it issues directly from the illuminating activity of the Holy Spirit. And so our ability to draw the, word, the sword of the Word of God for any spiritual victory depends on our nearness to the Holy Spirit's work, our nearness to him are you living in fellowship with the holy spirit are you near to god are you praying to god are you communicating to god is he a part of your life stay close to your source you need that power but lastly don't accept substitutes don't accept substitutes we don't want to mistake what we're being told to do here for an imposter and there are many imposters i brought a little sword today this is actually a sword, right? I mean, I brought two, actually. 
I mean, these are, these are technically, I guess you could call these swords. They are that in some sense. But you wouldn't want to take this with you to a fight, would you? If somebody came in here right now with a real sword, a big one, and they were swinging it around, I'm going to throw this to you and you have at it, right? I mean, you don't want to take this with you to a gunfight. I mean, this, this is a toy. It's, it's useless. And there are other imposters uh, that come along uh, with this idea of taking up the shield, or rather the sword of the Spirit. There are a lot of imposters. Here are a few of them. Here are a few things that do not constitute taking the sword of the Spirit. Owning a copy of the Word of God. You might have several in your house. We have several through this place. Owning a copy of the Word. Carrying it with you. Having it in your glove box. That does not constitute being weaponized against Satan. It's, owning a copy is not taking up the Spirit of God. Although I want you to own a copy of that. Being around the Word of God does not constitute taking up the sword of the Spirit. Coming to church where the Word of God is around. Going to the youth group where the Word of God is teached. Listening to Christian music and being near to these, uh, you know, these voices of God's Word. Although very important, that does not constitute taking up the sword of the Spirit. An intellectual comprehension of the Word of God is another imposter. Uh, it's not enough that you know the stories, that you've heard the account, that you've examined this with a critical eye and you're aware of it. What this means here is that you have a very personal, internalized, ready familiarity with God's Word, that you know it that you're connected to it, that you're submitted to it. Don't accept substitutes for taking up the sword of the Spirit. What is your relationship like with God's Word? You might say, I own one. I've got one in my car. I, I have one. You might say, I, I come to the youth group and I eat the pizza and I come to the church and I enjoy the fellowship. I listen to whatever the fish or K-Love or whatever it is on the radio, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of around the Word of God. Is it a part of who you are? That's what God means here. Don't accept these substitutes. What's your relationship with God's Word like? Is it something you have an awareness of, or are you seeking it? Are you planting it in your life? Are you turning to the Holy Spirit and saying, Holy Spirit, I see it. Illuminate it for me. Make this real to me, you'll never be able to deploy the, the Word of God for spiritual victory if it is not your own. Make it your own today. Stay close to the source. Don't accept substitutes. Make the Word of God your own. This is the only offensive weapon we have, right? Every other weapon, this, the helmet and the shield and the shoes and all of this, are to prepare for someone else who's striking out. But the Word of God is our weapon to ourselves to strike against the darkness, to do damage to what He wants to do. Let's go there together. Let's be serious about this. Only the Word of God places in our hands this power. And the call of the Christian life, friends, is to be ready. Let me pray for us.
In just a moment, I want to invite you to have a chance to respond to what you've heard today and what you've sang today. You know, the central message of the Word of God is that every human being is a doomed sinner. And God saw us in that condition and had compassion upon us and loved us and was not content to leave us there. And when there was nothing else that could do, he sent of himself the agonizing gift to give his own precious son to shed his blood, to empty himself of his very life so that you and I could have forgiveness from sin. Before anybody here can take up the, the, the sword of the Spirit, before you can raise the Word of God as weaponry against the enemy, you first has to have to be a child of God. Come to Him in repentance, as we've seen today. Confess your sin. Ask Him to save you. Tell Him that the cross is enough, that you're tired of your old self. Give Him the, give him the permission to render that dead and to bring you new life. He promises to do it, friend. He promises to do it. No matter where you've walked, no matter how dark the place is that you have lived, you can come out of that by the power of the life-giving Christ. He'll move you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. And so today, if you haven't started there, you can come this morning, give your life to Christ. You come see me, pray with me, talk to me. We're not going to embarrass you. We'll walk right with you. Today there are many here who, you know, you've just grown distant from God's Word. You've just grown distant from it. It's, a, it's been a part of your life, but it's not an everyday part. There's no power there. There's no readiness there. Why don't you come back to its life-giving fountain? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Word of God and for trusting it to us today. I pray that it, by the power of your Holy Spirit, will have done some good. You will have exalted the Lord Jesus Christ and equipped your people. Give us reason for joy today. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.